it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it sure is. He actually came back to work. They said it couldn't happen, but would you look who showed up to the radio studio? It is your favorite overweight TV diva, Jimmy Fallon, back in action for a big episode of the High Fly and Death of Fi and Fox Across America, hosted by me, Jimmy Fallon, a man who is not trying to save the queen. No, Joe Biden. Finally explaining why he hasn't held any campaign events. Turns out he thinks we're living in a monarchy. Biden closing his speech while I was off the air on Friday, demanding that God save the queen. This man needs a retirement home and a warm bowl of soup. Does he ever? We're going to discuss it today. Uh, Jim Jordan's going to be here from the 4th Congressional District of Ohio. Uh, we're also going to talk with Wesley Hunt on the wokeification of the United States military, our army now falling 15,000 recruits short of its goal. Everything woke turns to She, I hate to hear that about the army, though. 888-788-9910, the phone number. If you want to be a part of my first day back, there are no rules to the show. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how dumb you are. No, ma'am. Fox Across America still and will always be an audio safe space for cool people. You can believe what you want. You can vote the way you want. I don't want to be in charge of the democracy. I'm barely in charge of this show. Okay, uh, but all of your ideology is welcome here one way or the other. We say you can be a Republican. You could be a Democrat. Just don't be a There it is. Happy, happy Monday. Uh, if you tuned in over the weekend and you saw me host Fox News Saturday night, uh, this bud's for you. Actually, that's like an insult. I don't actually don't think I could say that. What the hell did you just say? (laughs) Back in the day, remember those commercials where you were like, hey, this Bud's for you. I don't actually think you could say that. I think that's like fighting words now. What the hell is the world coming to? I don't know. But if you did see me host the show Saturday night, thank you. Uh, Your radio buddy does need those ratings. And it really was amazing to be on TV. I had Lincoln close the show. Uh, Lincoln Fail is finally out of school. He's going to appear on this show this week. Uh, You'll hear him in studio. He's going to join me for a full hour later in the week once he gets his camp schedule. But uh, Lincoln Fail closed out the Saturday night show on Fox News Saturday night. And it was really cool. But I will tell you this, as someone who is so humbled and honored to be a dad in the first place, the coolest thing about doing TV with your kid is the fact that you have a kid to begin with. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. So for that, I am profoundly grateful, and uh, I really do appreciate everybody tuning in. But right now, i got to do my regular job. Remember radio? Remember you and me? I've been on the road a lot lately, man. I was, uh, you know, I'm filming a documentary for Fox Nation. It's going to come out the first week of August. I'm also on a deadline. I have a book coming out, a bestseller uh, that'll be out early next year. And, of course, you know, I'm doing TV 20 times a week and yapping with you on the radio and everything in between, stand-up comedy and a family and blah, blah, blah. The point is, it is damn good to be back. And not only am I back, but I'm actually back now for like a week. I don't have to go anywhere. Yeah, you're saying that now. Get back to me on Wednesday. Where you're like, hey, by the way, didn't you say something about a guest host? <laughs> Where's that guy from Texas with the accent? I like that guy. Till he starts talking about Trump. Then, you know, <laughs> it swings the other way. There's a slob. There's a real slob. You stop. Trump is not the president uh, who opens the show today. Uh, we do have to have a discussion 
about Joe Biden, who I got to be honest with you, is not in the best shape. If you like Biden so much, name three of his complete sentences. I don't know that you can. Okay, if you heard last week, I was on with Sean Hannity Thursday night. I was reacting to this quote. This was Biden talking about building a railroad from the Pacific (laughs) to the Indian Ocean. Are you stupid or something? Uh, Best case scenario, he's stupid. Uh, Worst case scenario, he is what he appears to be, which is a man who happens to be severely cognitively impaired. I agree with that. Okay, but here is Biden uh, kicking off another stampede of stupidity. This was Thursday. This is the railroad quote, clip 29. We have plans to build a railroad from the Pacific all the way across the Indian Ocean. We have plans to build in, 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 in Angola, one of the largest solar plants in the world. I can go on, but I'm not. I'm going off script. I'm going to get in trouble. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Okay, we're going to build a railroad across the Indian Ocean is what we're going to do. <laughs> I can't, man. Okay, there's a logistical concern there, as you would imagine. Uh, but this is the issue. That keeps coming up over and over and over again for every Democrat of prominence. Okay, everyone's getting asked whether or not they're going to run because they're just waiting for one of them to crack and admit the obvious. It's that every single Democrat known to man is actually preparing to run. He knows what he's talking about. Okay, Gavin Newsom is all over the TV. Did a two part interview with Sean Hannity last week. Okay. If Gavin Newsom doesn't plan on running for president, does he need to be doing national media? The answer would be no. The answer would be no. Okay, there is a puff piece today about Gretchen Whitmer, the Michigan governor in Vanity Fair, that she, of course, and her camp cooperated with. The piece is about what a fine presidential candidate she would make. Okay, if Gretchen Whitmer doesn't have designs on stepping into this race, do you think her press team is green-lighting such a piece? The answer would be no. No, they wouldn't be. Okay, and here is one of the main reasons why everybody's off on the side. They don't want to say anything. They don't want to upset party orthodoxy. They don't want to defy convention. Traditionally, if you have an incumbent president, he does not get primaried. It's very rare that he would. Okay, Jimmy Carter was primaried, and he famously lost re-election. And for that reason, major parties have always been reticent to primary an incumbent, regardless of how unpopular they happen to be, because blessed with the power of incumbency, it's usually very hard to defeat a sitting president. Wrong. Okay, well, no, actually it was hard to defeat Trump. I mean, were it not for mail-in voting, I'm not telling you the election was stolen, I don't possess that proof. Uh, But the truth is we voted in such an unprecedented way that juiced turnout. Okay, it juiced turnout so much that Joe Joe Biden became the highest vote getter in the history of our republic. Okay, which means we are to believe that Joe Biden was more popular than even our first black president, Barack Obama. Don't be thick. All right. But that's the belief. You have to believe Biden was more popular with black Americans than Barack Obama was. There are white folks and then there are ignorant mother like you. Well, that means we're all ignorant because if, you know, you take the election at face value, Biden was a lot more popular than Obama. And maybe it's because he not only was the leader of this country, but at times Joe Biden appears to be looking out for the leaders of other countries. Here's Biden on Friday saving the queen, clip 24. Now, as you, some of you know, I'd usually come down and say hi to all of you. They tell me there's a storm coming in. Is that right? Is still is that still the deal? 
That's the truth. Now, don't make a lie. As that, uh, that scene in the John Wayne movie, don't make me a dog-faced lion pony soldier. All right? God save the queen, man. <laughs> we have a president that is clearly not all there. <laughs> oh, man. God save the queen, man. Biden's lost his marbles. I don't know that he ever had them. Okay, Biden has said that in the past. It just looks even worse because he's now, you know, in his late hundreds. And if you were to watch the video of him saying, God save the queen, what gets worse is that he then turns and goes the wrong way to get off stage and points at his handlers and goes, wait, this way or, or that way? I mean, Have you ever had a check? I don't know. Okay, but that's the bigger concern. Joe Biden's the only president in history who takes more time to exit a speech than he does to give one. Okay, it's not supposed to work that way. But the guy gets lost going off stage. That's not good. Nobody should be okay with this. And this is the biggest argument I make on my show day in and day out, regardless of what the topic is. I will often tell you that we're taking these positions politically at the expense of all of us, meaning Democrats will align with Joe Biden and support him because they just want to beat Republicans. But in the end, if you put a cognitively impaired president into office, a president who very well may be compromised by his son's overseas dealings. Hunter's a dirtbag. But the reality is, even though you win that election, it's a loss for you, too. Bingo. Joe Biden shouldn't be president right now. He should have been president three years ago when he won the election. Okay, Joe Biden is a mess, man. Okay, and when you look at the end result of this presidency, what he is doing is it allows other people behind the scenes a much bigger role in the presidency than they would traditionally have. That's why the Democrat Party leaders want him running again. It's because he allows them to be president. Correct the mundo. Okay, they're running this country. Okay, they gave him an executive order to sign over the border and rescinded all of Trump's border policies. They gave him an executive order to kill the Keystone Energy Pipeline. And begin the sacrifice, the ritual sacrifice of 10,000 American jobs at the altar of environmental virtue signaling. Joe Biden did that through an executive order. We relinquished our energy independence through an executive order. Think about a day like today where we're celebrating Juneteenth, which is the end of, you know, the last round of Democrats released the last round of slaves. That's what Juneteenth actually commemorates. Democrats are the ones who have the slaves. And uh, we're celebrating all these years later the final release of the slaves, and it's good. I'm happy to see the Democrats celebrating such a thing. Okay, but the point is, everybody who's running you a virtue-signaling lecture today about the importance of Juneteenth, and I do agree it's important, is also selling all of our energy production and all of our green energy initiatives to countries that still deploy slave labor. So in a roundabout way, if China's going to be in charge of our green energy agenda, we didn't end slavery. We just outsourced it to another country, okay, which is horrific on its face. But the people who make those decisions, okay, are the ones running this presidency. I don't know that it's going to last much longer because there is a groundswell. You know, in the Tour de France, when you see the guys riding the bikes, and uh, there's three guys that are in jerseys and spandex and helmets who aren't on the team, but they're dressed like they're on the team, because, heaven forbid, they need an alternate. One of those guys pulls into the race. That's pretty much the Democratic Party right now. Biden's riding along on his bicycle, <laughs> which is no easy feat if you've been watching him ride that bicycle. Uh, and he's got a couple of cyclists alongside him by the name of Gavin Newsom, J.B. Pritzker out in Illinois, certainly Gretchen Whitmer. 
You know, there was talk at one point that Kamala might jump in and no chance. Okay, nobody respects Kamala Harris. Like if Joe Biden drops out of this race tomorrow, there's no, well, let's see what Kamala has to say. No, Joe Biden drops out of this race tomorrow. It is. Because they don't respect Kamala, but more importantly, when they're watching him day in and day out, they don't respect him. Okay, so this reality in this build a, you know, railroad across the Indian Ocean and save the queen while you're on your way. Okay, the reality is everybody riding alongside of Biden as alternates right now in the Democratic little tour to France. Okay, every one of those alternate jerseys is starting to pedal a little bit faster every time Biden makes another one of these gaffes. And that's where we find ourselves today. I would be willing to bet anybody listening, even money, he does not become the nominee because he's just not in the physical capacity to do so. You know, Joe Biden says, no, watch me. Whenever they ask him, what do you say to people who have concerns about your age? He goes, watch me. Well, we watched you, Joe. And it turns out being president is just like riding a bike. He's an old guy, has dementia, can't lead us, and the country is screwed, tell some big lies, barely speaks English, sniffs children, and their mom's hair too, goes the wrong way, when he leaves his speeches, Gets lost each day in the White House yard. All the Dems say that we should reelect him. How can he run when walking is hard? And Joe keeps falling. Don't go anywhere. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We'll be right back. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon back in action for a full week. Could you imagine? They got me to show up for work. Oh, I'm so happy. So good to be here doing what I do best, which is eating craft services in the green room between TV hits. Don't you have any respect for yourself? No. They got me hungry over the weekend. I was in Phoenix and L.A. It was hot out. Those places actually get me to play defense when it's, you know, 110 degrees. You know, it's, it's not a climate made for the fat guy. Okay, but now I got back to the East Coast. It was pretty cool over the weekend where I was, you know, hanging out on Long Island in between TV shows. And this could be a problem. Oh, yeah. We put up some big numbers yesterday in the Fela backyard. I (laughs) lost a lost a lot of good waistlines out there. Fat, drunk and stupid is no way to go through life. I don't know. 
Alex is on the line in Brooklyn. He may he may beg to differ. Alex, what's up, my man? You know, hey, Jimmy, come on. You couldn't do that last week. That's illegal. You can't go missing in action for a week. You're not the president of the United <laughs> States. I'm sorry. I know, you, I know you think you're a big shot. You're not the president, all right? <laughs> <laughs> I showed up Thursday. I was here Thursday. I, I know. I saw that. But come on. That's a joke. That's like, I'm laughing. What? Come on. Once a week, seriously. Yeah. I saw Failovision. I told a lot of my friends to watch it. It was, this, it was sick on Saturday night. Yeah. It's your show. I'm telling you. You just got to change the name. <laughs> to Failovision, that's the thing. Now, Joe Biden, Joe Biden thinks that if that if you believe his lies, that doesn't make him a dog, uh, dog pony face liar. Yeah. That's not true. The science of lying is saying the opposite of the truth, whether you, people believe it or not. So, yeah. I, I think that's a little crazy of him to think. Mm-hmm. But uh, Gavin Newsom, it seems like he's circling and waiting to land on the nest if they drop Joe Biden out of the race. Because it's really curious to think, why isn't he getting into the race? Being that, you know, he didn't destroy the country. He's not a good politician, Gavin Newsom. But Joe Biden is only at 30%. Why wouldn't he jump into the race? And I think it's because the Democratic establishment has such a hold on the media and the Democratic side of the aisle. So they told Gavin Newsom, you get into the race, we're going to throw all the mud that you have at, in, at your face, mm-hmm. and you're going to be besmirged in the media because they're able to do that, and that's why he's not in the race. Otherwise, he would jump in and become the nominee of the Democratic Party, absolutely. Well, I think Joe Biden, at least. I think he's you know, showing a weakness that wouldn't make him an effective leader because, you know, the truth is Gavin Newsom wants to run. He's probably going That's to true. run if they give him permission. But leadership is not about asking for permission. If you're going to be president of the United States, you don't read the room. You lead the room. If he wants to jump out there and say, look, this guy's incapacitated. I know it's not traditionally what we would do is primary and incumbent. But considering the state of the country and considering the state of the president, I'm throwing my hat in the ring. If Gavin Newsom demonstrated that level of, you know, testicular fortitude, a fancier person might say, I would just say if he had a set of balls, he'd jump into the race. And that's what he needs to do. But this is weak leadership by not getting in. Because if you think about it, 32% of the country thinks Biden's mentally fit to be office. If you're sitting in a car with your family with an Uber driver and 70% of you think he's not fit to be driving the car, you're not going to wait around to grab the wheel and get him out of there. But in this instance, Gavin Newsom is. So he's showing more concern for his party than his country and certainly even himself. I don't know, man. I see it as weak, Alex. Uh, But I'll be here all week to talk about it so we can discuss later on. All right, brother? All right, thank you. But it's going to be John Fetterman or something, not Gavin Newsom. (laughs) Fetterman 2024. We'll talk about him next. It is a mess out there in Washington. And uh, we're going to have a grown-up talk about it. Jim Jordan's coming by. We're going to talk to Wesley Hunt as well. We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. It's America's Life Coach, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, yes, it is. And we are back in action. Big Monday of Fox Across America. Jim Jordan's coming up. Wesley Hunt's going to be here. Lincoln Fallon, we just got off the phone with his agent, is going to join us for a full hour later this week. We might even do a full family reunion on the air. Jenny Fallon's out there somewhere. And, uh, you know, they haven't had a chance to get in front of this audience. Lincoln was playing baseball. He was going to school. And uh, now he's finally off for the summer. Just finished ninth grade, which is the highest level of education in our family by a mile. So uh, we're excited to hear what he learned in his travels. Uh, What I learned over the weekend is uh, there's a lot of people in the Democratic Party 
that. Man, oh boy, oh man. Or I, it's, they're, they're abusive, man. I don't like to say this. I just had to talk about Biden on the Faulkner Focus. If you missed it, it's going to be on the Fox Across America website, foxacrossamerica.com. I was on with the Queen of Daytime, Harris Faulkner, who considers me, I think, pound for pound, the best guest on our show. That is offensive, and it is not true. All right, whatever. But the point is, I'm on, you know, semi-frequently, and we always have a nice time. And we were talking about Biden and the God Save the Queen quote and the Indian Ocean quote and the him getting lost going on and off of the stage. Uh, the Democrats seem to have found a strategy, though. To make this, you know, maybe reduce the appearance of impairment. The strategy is, I've got it. We'll put him on stage next to John Fetterman. Listen to this Fetterman clip. It'll break your heart, man. You know, there but for the grace of God go all of us. But they made the man in this clip a United States senator. They said, go spend a half a decade in Washington. You're in fine shape. Clip 20. Uh, no, I, I, I uh, would, would, would just... Um... Really, like the, you know, the 95, 95, 95, you know, um, you know, obviously that, you know, you're pretty much preoccupied with, with 95, and I, I certainly am too, and we know it's a major uh, eatery, not, not just for, for Pennsylvania, but for the East, the East Coast. And a lot of Pennsylvanians are worried that the delays and repairs bring to its standstill deal. What? we've got here is failure to communicate that's tough man you know and uh i I don't take joy in talking about stuff like this i usually laugh at biden because it's like a coping mechanism like i live in a country led by a pudding brained man it's you know i don't like that i don't think that's good i have a child i have a wife i have a mom i have family brothers sisters dads cousins pets okay we need the country to do well we all live here Okay, I don't like the idea that we have incapacitated people running our country. That's not a good sign for us here in America, nor is it a good sign for us around the world. We really are being laughed at and scoffed at throughout the world. They just they're not respecting our country the way they used to. But, you know, the reality is politics got so hyper partisan in the age of Trump. You understand? So, I mean, who? It just became its own team sport. It just turned into the Yankee-Red Sox rivalry. This didn't really work out well for my Yankees this weekend, by the way. Not good. (laughs) They can't hit. It's a mess. But the point is, it's so much more important to beat the other party than it is to have, like, a collective dialogue about, hey, what would be good for the country? What would help out all of us? You know, Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, anything in between. That's all this show is. That's why it's popular with, like, reasonable people. When you come to my shows, you don't see fistfights. Nobody's throwing up. I mean, maybe Kennedy. She gets a little carried away in the green room. But the point is, the crowd itself is cool. They're really cool because they're in on the joke. If you live in America, you hit the lottery as long as you continue to treat it like America, meaning agree to disagree when necessary, rather than saying, oh, you disagree You're a murderer. You're a bigot. You're a transphobe. You know, that whole thing. No, not at all. Okay, but that's the way political discourse works in this day and age. It's all become an exercise in labeling the opposition. So we don't run on how to fix problems. We run on the character of the people we're up against. John Fetterman is in office because the Democrats convinced enough Pennsylvanians that Dr. Oz was friends with a bunch of white supremacist Republicans. 
And yes, it didn't help that Dr. Oz had probably <laughs> set foot in Pennsylvania twice in the last two years, if any, you know, to campaign. Uh, he didn't live there. You know, he was a mess. He had a, you know, when he was talking about football and making a crudité. <laughs> That's what he said. He's talking about inflation and how it's become more expensive to make a crudité. What an idiot. Because hey, you really relate to the common man <laughs> in western Pennsylvania, where my family's from, where there's literally natty light coming out of the faucets in the kitchen. They're like a crudo who? What? What's going on? But anyway, because Democrats wanted to beat Republicans as badly as they did, they voted for John Fetterman, a guy who on the front end of the campaign had been incapacitated by a stroke. And listen, man, pray for the guy. Hope he gets better. I don't want him to get worse. But he clearly didn't do all of his rehab uh, is what I would happen to think. You know, and the bigger issue now is he's in office, can barely speak on the floor. Here he is introducing Biden on Saturday, clip 21. And now... I'm standing next to the president again, next to a, a collapsed bridge here. And he is here to commit to work with the, the governor and the, the, the delegation to make sure that we get this fixed quick, fast as well, too. This is a president that is committed to infrastructure. Yeah. And then on top of that, uh, the, the jewel uh, kind of a uh, uh, law of the inflation. Uh, Bill, do you speak any English? Sadly, right now, it doesn't appear that he does. It's it's unfortunate. But they send somebody like that to Washington and it's abuse, man. It's abuse to put somebody like that in a position where they're expected to speak, where they're expected to operate on and represent the interest of their constituents. And I don't know that he has the capacity to do so. We know the deal with Biden. OK, Biden, his according to his work schedule, released by his own White House aides is basically doing a a three-hour-a-day gig, okay, where they start the day around noon, they close the public schedule around 4 because they know he's he's sundowning after 4 o'clock and the words aren't coming in out the best way. Here, let me give you you an example of an interview Biden did uh, at 6 p.m. You know, the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with, with, uh, I don't know. uh, I mean, guys, do you think on any level Enemies on the world stage on the other side of the world hear that guy speak and go, oh, we better not mess with America. Now, there's this guy over there, I mean it. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the goal, you know the, you know the thing. Better not mess with that guy. <laughs> it's, it's sad. It's not good. Okay, I'm just telling you, if you listen to the show for the first time and you're sticking with it, you're just changing the station and you're like, well, this guy's nuts. Honey, let's leave it on. This guy, this guy's nuts. He must not be the real host. I bet you anything, the real host is tied up in the corner. Cops are going to come barreling into the studio any minute now. We got to see how this plays out. No way this guy's the real host. I get it. That's the appeal of the show. Okay, and if you're listening to the show uh, for the first time, I don't know what your party affiliation is, and I don't care what it is. Okay, it doesn't matter to me. But if you care about your family, you care about the country you're living in, you can't vote for people who can't end a sentence. You're not supposed to do that. It's bad for the country. But it's not just bad for me. It's bad for you. Okay, that's the point. Everyone's forgetting that Washington, D.C. is supposed to work for us. Okay? In a constitutional republic, okay, we send people to Washington to represent our interests. We are the employers. But they are now so brazenly disregarding our wants and needs, doing whatever the hell they want in a perpetual fight for power, 
okay, that every single one of us is now taking a back seat to whatever their own agenda happens to be. Welcome to the Biden administration, home to the new slogan, America last. It's not supposed to be that way, but think about it. This administration passed an Inflation Reduction Act. An Inflation Reduction Act was the title of the bill, and it will increase inflation. What a fraud. But they did it anyway because they were like, well, you know, if we spend all this money on climate and that's what they did with inflation soaring, they printed and spent more of our money in the interests of helping the environment down the road. That is financial lunacy. But they did it simply because they knew in doing so they could label anybody who opposed it some type of a bigot. Well, you know, the climate affects minorities the most, and it's women and transgender people, and it's Pride Month. So you got to look out for the climate is what you got to do. That's how this works. Democrats are so full of crap. But it works. Okay, that's why they divide you the way they do. Joe Biden speaking out over the weekend about Pride Month. Joe Biden gave a big speech yesterday about Pride Month. I don't remember that ever happening. But it did. And I want you to listen to the level of lie Joe Biden is being told. He was fact-checked by PolitiFact. Now, I want you to understand this. PolitiFact is so liberal. They wanted to defund the cop in the village people. Okay, they are wildly liberal. They align with the Democrat claims on, like, literally anything. If Joe Biden says Star Wars was based on a true story, PolitiFact will be like, well, I mean, technically speaking, none of us have spoken to Darth Vader. So how could we say any of this was false? Okay, PolitiFact does not like to fact check Democrats, but even they had to step in and acknowledge that Biden's having a little fun with the truth here when he tells a gay audience that a gay couple can get married in the morning and thrown out of a restaurant later that afternoon just for being gay. That is a fact check false. All the way false. But you realize how divisive that is. And in an era where people's emotions are their facts, there are some corners of the universe where being the president of the United States still carries some intellectual gravitas. Where you go, wow, if the president just said, you can get married in the morning in his country and thrown out of a restaurant that day just for being gay in his country. I can't believe the president said that. This is crazy. What a dumb time to be alive. This isn't good. You're not telling me the truth. But they don't know that because their emotions are their facts. Listen to this claim by Biden, clip 22. And last December, we felt such pride here in the South Lawn when I signed the historic Respect for Marriage Act. Mm. It protects the marriage of same-sex and interracial couples. But for all the progress we made, we know, we know real, change, real challenges still remain. When a person can be married in the morning and thrown out of a restaurant for being gay in the afternoon, something is still very wrong in America. Garbage like you just makes me sick. Do you know how disgusting that is? Because a lot of people hear it. They're like, oh, I'm under attack. This isn't good. Okay, but it's not remotely close to the truth. And it's such an insult to the people who fight it to get us to this place of tolerance and acceptance that we live in. Like, it's so funny. Today's Juneteenth, and every Democrat's throwing a Juneteenth celebration, but they're not acknowledging the fact that slavery is over. I think he's got a point. Listen, we're, we're acknowledging that it ended all a century and a half ago, yet in the next breath, what are the Democrats telling you? That's ah, a white supremacist nation. Black people will never get ahead. Democrats just call everyone racist so they go along with their stupid ideas. Totally. But even more so, all of this bigotry, all of this racism also comes in an effort to take your eye away from what the Democrats themselves have done. 
Joe Biden, who tells you everything's racist, it's white supremacy, it's Jim Crow on steroids. Joe Biden. Okay, Google it. Are you ready? Open up Google. Joe Biden eulogized a Klan member. Open it up. Read it. Robert Byrd. Biden said his eulogy. He was in the Ku Klux Klan. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black. But he'll get out there every day and be like, oh, these racist Republicans, I tell you. They're the worst. I, I never seen anything like it. It's the worst. This is what they do. He's a disgusting human being, like a disgusting, divisive human being. He told you voter ID was Jim Crow on steroids. So worse than burning down people's houses so they wouldn't vote. Worse than attacking them with clubs and dogs and the Bull Connors of the world. Worse than burning a cross on their lawn. Asking someone for a driver's license was Jim Crow on steroids. This is Jim Crow on steroids, what they're doing in in Georgia. Never mind that Joe Biden would have taken an endorsement from Jim Crow at one point in his career. Okay, Joe Biden opportunistically pivoted to I'm a racial crusader. Okay, just the same as he opportunistically pivoted to I'm a crusader for the gay community. Here is Joe Biden as a vice presidential nominee giving you his stance on gay marriage just 10 short years ago. Clip 23. Do you support gay marriage? No, Barack Obama nor I support redefining from a from a civil side what constitutes marriage. We do not support that. That is basically a decision to be able to be left to the face and people who practice their face, determination, what you call it. So uh, I guess we have some issues. <laughs> no issues. OK, here was Biden as a senator giving you his opinion on gay marriage when they were going to have a bill to vote on. I can't believe the American people can't see through this. We already have a law. The Defense of Marriage Act, where we've all voted, not where I voted and others said, look, marriage is between a man and a woman and states must respect that. Nobody's violated that law. There's been no challenge to that law. Why do we need a constitutional amendment? Marriage is between a man and a woman. What's the game going on here? You are so full of sh- So there's two qu- clips, pretty high profile clips. One's in a vice presidential debate in 2008. The other is as a senator. Flat out saying, marriage is between a man and a woman. What's the game going on here? And then he opportunistically pivoted to say what? No, it's the Republicans. They hate the gay people, you see. This guy's a serious ass. This is the problem with career politicians. Okay, and it's the reason Donald Trump was to get elect- was, got elected. People were so sick of establishment politicians in Washington doing one thing and saying another, running our country into the ground, abandoning any and all principle if the wind blew a specific way that was politically expedient for them to follow. That's who Joe Biden is. He is not an ally of the black community. He is not an ally of the gay community. He is a career politician that will tell you whatever you need to hear so you like him more. And I'm out here in the real world and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. It's the fastest part of your workday. Wow, you're pretty quick for a big guy. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Here's one I missed while I was away filming TV and all kinds of wild stuff. Jerry Nadler was speaking on the House floor last week about COVID. And there's this revisionist exercise going on where everybody who told you to lock down schools and mandated the vaccine, that didn't work. 
is now trying to distance themselves from their positions. No, we never said that we wanted everybody to get the vaccine. No, we never said that it would stop transmission. We never said any of that. Come on, man. Come on. Don't bullshit me. Everybody. Randy Weingartner, head of the teachers union. I was fighting to keep schools open is what I was doing. Oh, shut up, woman. Okay, she kept schools closed a year longer than most other places around the country. Everybody has abandoned their positions except Jerry Nadler. Okay, Jerry Nadler on the House floor, sticking to his gun, saying two-year-olds should have been masked during COVID. Listen to this, clip 35. It protects against transmission of the disease to the next person. And the healthcare worker certainly ought to be required to be vaccinated. And when we have a pandemic, like COVID-19 pandemic that we had, two-year-olds should have been required to wear masks. It would be child abuse for parents not to do that because there was no vaccination available for two-year-olds. Number one, masks didn't stop transmission. Number two, the vaccine doesn't stop transmission. Number three, no other industrialized nation in the world mandated masks or vaccines for children. Why? Because they don't work. They also happen to inhibit a child's development. We also don't have any long-term data on how they affect that child's development. So Jerry Nadler is just doing what he does best, which is being a moron. And that's exactly who he is. And this is why I'm telling you on this show, doesn't matter who the party is, the idiots got to be put on notice. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is, and we are fired up. We got a big hour coming up with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon, one of my buddies, Jim Jordan. Superstar representative from the 4th Congressional District of Ohio, Jenny Fallon's hometown. He is, of course, the House Judiciary Committee chairman. He's going to join us in this hour for a discussion about Joe Biden. And man, oh boy, oh man, some poll numbers. That ain't the best. Uh Oh, I'm in trouble. Okay, Donald Trump indicted last week for the narrative that he mishandled classified information. It was made up by these sick people. Who knows? Uh, But we do know. That he wouldn't be the first politician to mishandle classified information. I'm Hillary Clinton, and I approve this message. But he was the first sitting president charged for it. But despite that reality, a new poll out today. Wow, this is crazy. Shows Donald Trump would beat Joe Biden if the election was held right now. Biden sucks. Long story short. Okay, if Trump has been indicted twice, twice, and he's still beating Joe Biden, that does tell you, okay, that Joe Biden is pound for pound as bad of a president as we've ever had. Tell it like it is. Okay, it's just reality. Okay, that's not a shot at Donald Trump. Donald Trump has been historically maligned by the establishment, by the media, okay, by late night talk shows by every single person who ever hung out with him in his life until he entered politics. That's just how white folks will do you. I mean, but think about that. Donald Trump was a face of polite society. He was a guy that day in and day out, okay, used to go on the Howard Stern show when Howard Stern was the king of all media. Remember that? Howard was a big deal. He's the biggest terrestrial radio host around. Uh, He very much was the king of all media. You know, now he complains so much. He's like the Prince Harry of all media. But the point is, 
Trump was on his show all the time. Trump was a guy who used to go on The View all the time. The View was awful. Does He was still there, though. Okay, Trump was a guy who hung out in polite society. This guy that would go on Oprah. Okay, he was a guy that was very much a fabric of our American culture. He held the highest rated spot in television for 14 years on NBC doing a show called Celebrity Apprentice and The Apprentice. And what's incredible about it is the minute he ran for office, everybody at NBC and MSNBC who had him on was like, oh, this guy's literally Hitler. We've never seen anything like it in our lives. This is politics as usual. It is. But you got to ask yourself, if Trump became literally Hitler, doesn't that make the people who aired his TV show for 14 years literally Goebbels? I think he's got a point. Okay, yeah. And you know what the point is? Everybody on the left is full of Donald Trump is not an existential threat to the country. Okay, Donald Trump did not cause a 40-year high in inflation. Donald Trump did not relax our border standards, leading to the influx of 6 million migrants, an all-time record in this country. Nor is Donald Trump responsible for an all-time record level of fentanyl overdose deaths. Nor did Donald Trump relinquish our energy independence and empower dictators around the world. Nor did Donald Trump empower our biggest geopolitical foe in the world, which is China, with all of our clean energy initiatives. Okay, Donald Trump was consequentially a much better president for the country than Joe Biden. We were doing well enough under Donald Trump that we thought Twitter mattered. Can you imagine being in a place right now where you had the luxury to care what someone was tweeting? Okay, when you go to the grocery store, things cost double. When you go to buy gas, things cost double. Okay, the idea that what someone was tweeting mattered was the height of absurdity, but it really spoke to how good we had it. We had it good enough that we could spend three years pretending Donald Trump was colluding with Russia, that we had lost control of our government. It was now being controlled by Vladimir Putin. Okay, whenever somebody lectures you about a right-wing conspiracy, think about the left-wing conspiracy that went on for three years that Vladimir Putin controlled our government. There's been no greater conspiracy in the history of the world. And I'm saying that as a guy who's doing a documentary on faking the moon landing that comes out August the 7th on Fox Nation. Okay, but the point is Donald Trump is none of the things the Democrats treated him as. But despite a nonstop full court press to make you believe he's Hitler and a white supremacist and an enemy of the state, he's still beating Joe Biden in the polls. Biden is such a disaster. Let me give you Jonathan Carl on ABC News because I I enjoyed this. Guy's genuinely shocked on the air. And I'll give you the analysis because they're trotting out a Trump poll. And you understand what's going on here, and it's fantastic. Trump's just been indicted. I don't consider that fantastic. I consider that a low point for our country. It's never happened in the 246-year history of the country. And what we're seeing here is a selective application of the law. Okay, Trump very well, well may have broken a law. I mean, I listen to Bill Barr a lot, man, and I've talked to him a lot off the air, so I believe him in that his analysis is objective. He will flat out tell me off the air in conversation. Trump and I don't get along, but I would vote for him. Okay, that's an adult. That's an adult. That's a guy putting his feelings to the side. So when he gets on the air and says, no, you know, they might have him dead to rights on some of these charges. Okay, that's just reality. And in a court of law, you, you know, saying, well, Hillary did it, too, isn't a defense. Okay, it's unfortunate. It's a double standard and it's bad for our country. But the reality is, despite Trump being indicted, something that should traditionally carry weight. 
the Democrats have hit him with so many unprecedented things that we've lost all sense of scale. Okay, Donald Trump is the first president to be impeached twice. He's now the first president to be indicted once and now the first president to be indicted twice. And the Democrats, okay, are losing the gravity of moves like this. And you can tell they are because he's still winning in the polls. Traditionally, if a politician gets indicted for anything, anything, okay, the career's over. Anything, indictment, anything. You get the I want to spend more time with my family speech and I don't want to be a distraction. It's for the good of the American people. And they skip town. Okay, Trump has moved past that speech about five times now. Okay, and he's right to do so. Because people who are watching this objectively go, yeah, you know, Trump's a loose cannon. Definitely throws a lot of wild pitches on Twitter. But these are a people who will stop at nothing when it comes to stopping him. Ergo, they appear to be a bigger threat to our country than he was. I mean, understand, everybody who tells you we got to protect democracy interfered in the 2020 election. Every single person, okay, that killed the Hunter Biden laptop interfered in the election. That is a real story confirmed as true that they wouldn't let the American people have because they thought it was going to be to the detriment of the Democratic standard bearer. Are you the big man, Joe? Think about that. Three weeks before the election, Hunter Biden's living, breathing business partner came forward, put his name on it. A man who served this country in the military, Tony Bobulinski, and said, yeah, Joe Biden gets 10 percent of all of this. There's an influence peddling scheme going on overseas. And Tony Bobulinski came forward, put his name on it, and said, yes, this is true. We have a compromised candidate. And the media was like, nope, you can't share the story. The media is a bunch of losers. And they committed election interference. But they'll run piece after piece after piece about protecting democracy and the Trump and the Republicans on January 6th. The media interfered in the 2020 election. Okay, just the same as right now, we're getting one document after another, 150 suspicious activity reports filed on the Bidens. And they were filed during the Obama administration. Joe Biden was a Barack Obama's vice president. And on 150 different occasions, Obama's Treasury Department filed a suspicious activity report saying, hey, the way the Biden's getting money overseas doesn't look good. And then what do we come to find out? There are 15 shell companies set up. So when Hunter is doing business overseas, they're not writing a check to Hunter Biden. They're writing a check to shell company number one. That passes it to shell company number two, that passes it to number three, that passes it to number four, that passes it to number five, and six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. I feel like this is the scene in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. And knitting! And knitting! (laughs) (laughs) Where Pee Wee's just going on forever. Pee Wee, you've been talking for four hours. What's the point? That whole thing. What does it mean? What does it mean? That whole thing. Okay, so here we are, 15 different shell companies transfer Hunter Biden's money before it ultimately winds up in the bank accounts of Joe Biden's grandchildren. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Not a legitimate business transaction. You have never gone out to dinner with a friend and engaged in some type of legitimate transaction where you said, hey, I'll send you the money for this. It's going to go through 15 shell companies and wind up in your grandkids account. That means the origin point of this money is probably very bad. That also means you want to conceal where the money ends up. Okay, but the media doesn't say a word about it. They want you to believe they're the safeguards of our democracy, but they're full of it. And the point is they've discredited themselves. And these Democratic prosecutions of Trump have discredited themselves to the point that you get a soundbite like this one out of Jonathan Carl, clip one. 
A poll from Quinnipiac on a, on a possible Biden-Trump match matchup puts Biden at 48 percent, Trump at 44 percent. This is a poll, again, uh, taken largely after the indictment. Uh, I mean, that's got to make you a little nervous. That's within the margin of error. That is a statistical tie. So what does that say about now. Biden if what, he's what barely it? beating no, or in some polls it's, actually it's losing? It. <laughs> oh, man. Crushed. Because you understand, they're bringing on Trump in this poll a week after indictment. Because they're like, oh, man, this is going to be great. Let's do the Trump poll. His numbers are going to fall like a rock. It's going to be great. And then a statistical tie with Joe Biden. And because the truth is the standard of living under Joe Biden has declined so aggressively that they'd rather have a guy leading them from prison, if that were the case, than a guy leading them from a hammock in the White House between the hours of 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Okay, Biden is not the president. His popularity in the Democratic Party stems from the fact that he allows other people to be president. Okay, but here it is. Here is Rick Klein, ABC's political director, saying somebody's got to take out Trump because it ain't going to be Biden. Clip two. It's remarkable. We've seen it before. And I think whether or not you believe that the, the, the political situation today is the same as it will be when the voting starts early next year and whether you not whether or not you think this is just kind of a rally around the flag, a sugar high for Trump. The reality that the that his rival candidates have, have settled around and I've talked to their campaign managers, I've talked to their strategists. They think at this point there's not going to be a dam that breaks. There's not going to be an event that that ends Donald Trump. It's going to have to be a candidate who ends Donald Trump. And that, to that point, we're seven months before the voting starts. And this is an issue where they see that there's some vulnerabilities. They hope hope is the key word here. They hope that they can find a way to, to, to find an argument against Trump that makes sense, because right now nobody's got it. He is getting stronger. He is not getting weaker, despite what's out there. <laughs> but remember, they brought on this poll to be like, we got him. Oh, <laughs> my mistake. They don't have them. They do not have them. And this is where it really gets interesting. You know, we're seven months out before any voting takes place in the primaries and the Iowa caucuses and everything in between. The most objective analysis I've given you is the fact that I say Trump is consequentially better than Biden. I think he's going to be a big liability in the general election because I don't think Democrats or independents will vote for him given his record. That being said, the quality of life decline. Okay, under Biden has been so accelerated when you talk about the economy, when you talk about the border, when you talk about the safety of our streets, you talk about your kids' education. One in three kids can't read at a grade level. I love the poorly educated. Okay, but understand that's because the Democrats are fighting against school choice. The Democrats fought for prolonged lockdowns. And they really compromise the well-being of our children. If you've been reading any of the studies that came out this morning about who was most harmed by COVID, from a physical standpoint, children were the safest. But from an emotional standpoint, domestic abuse and suicide hit 20-year highs during the pandemic for teenagers or kids, kids who were denied the normal routine of life, the gravity of day-to-day -day life, having somewhere to be having a social scene, having a ball team to play for, having a club to belong to, having a project to turn in, having a book report to give in front of a class, having a lunch table to eat at with other friends. Kids were denied the opportunity to be kids. 
And we didn't have any data that said they'd be better off being at home. In fact, the American Academy of Pediatrics told us in the summer of 2020 that the kids were safer in school. They said they had thankfully, by the grace of God, had infinitesimally low rates of COVID contraction. Okay, and they certainly were not vulnerable to the virus. Again, thank God. But what they were vulnerable were to the fact that if you were in a domestic household, domestically abusive household, it was a lot harder for a teacher to diagnose a kid over Zoom than it was if she saw them in person. Okay, it was hurting kids from a mental health standpoint to be denied socialization. And it was crushing them from an academic standpoint. But the Democrats went out there in the summer of 2020. Screw the kids. Trump wants the kids in school. It's because he wants to kill them. That was one of the things. That was one of the charges levied against Trump. Okay, and what we're learning is Trump wants to kill your kids is no different than Trump wants to kill the minorities or Trump wants to ban the Muslims or Trump wants to throw out the Mexicans. Okay, none of them happen to be true. Okay, you can't just make up lies about people. Well, the Democrats can. But you can't always expect it to work in the polls. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. When you're right, you're right. You're right. He's the most talented man on the radio, but he needs your help. We all know somewhere underneath all of that bright color, there's a man who's not right. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. We're going to be bringing on Jim Jordan in the next break. He is standing toe-to-toe with the IRS. The government's going to jump all over your head, Jimbo. Well, I'm not doing it. I've been audited twice, man. I'm a pinata in the middle class, and this is why whenever they tell you, you know, expanding the IRS by 87,000 agents, that's not going to come after the little guy. Sell crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. Of course it's going to come after the little guy. You see, rich people, okay, have accountants. They have lawyers. If you hit them with a letter from the IRS, that's what comes out, okay? A letter from an accountant or a lawyer in an effort to prolong any type of settlement or negotiation or comeuppance. If you hit the middle class with a letter from the IRS, what comes flying out is whatever the hell the IRS wants. Okay, that's how it works. We don't want any trouble. And that's why they know when they expand the IRS that they're going to wind up going after the little guy in the end because the rich people aren't just going to hand over their money to a country that's $31 trillion in debt. Never mind the connotation as well. We've got to expand the IRS to go after the rich because they're all a bunch of criminals. Okay, that's what Congress would have you believe. You know, the people making $170,000 a year who all have 20, 30, 40 million in the bank, they want you to believe it's the other guys that are the criminals. (laughs) I mean, come on, man. If you're making a buck 70 a year and you got 30 million in the bank, I don't know that we should be looking at anybody but you. I think he's got a point. Okay, but anyway, Jim Jordan now upset with the fact that the IRS has been using fake names to harass Americans. There was an instance where they showed up to the house of one of his constituents. And he's not happy. We're going to talk about it in the next break. But everything that's going on in this country right now, it is, man, God, it drives me so crazy. It's so reflective of the fact that the people in Washington who are supposed to work for us, that's how this country is supposed to work. We vote, they get a job. Okay, so they're supposed to do what we tell them. They're supposed to focus on what we want them to focus on. That's not going on anymore. Okay, they're now just in Washington doing whatever the hell they want. And at the end of the day, people still vote for this dereliction of duty, so to speak. 
because they just show up at election time and frame this as a battle over like good and evil or the soul of our nation. Or the Republicans are coming to get your gay children. It's, it's ridiculous. But this is what they do in lieu of a substantive debate and it allows them to remain in power and keep putting the screws to the little guys like you and me. I got a bad feeling about this. Ain't good. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And they have stacked the deck on today's show. I guess they assume I'd have a hangover from Father's Day. We actually behaved pretty well. Uh, but joining us now, they brought in some heavy-duty backup. Superstar representative from the 4th Congressional District of Ohio, House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan in the house. Hey, man. Yo. How are you? Oh, you know what? Your phone's a little choppy. Does Russell have you in the trunk oh, of the sorry. car again? Now I'm usually on the spot that I thought was good in the house. Now you Is that sound, working? No, you sound good, but uh, I'm I'm laughing because I see you book the morning after Father's Day. That usually means they thought I needed some heavy duty backup. <laughs> How was it? Did, what, what did Lincoln get you some golf balls, or what? What'd you get? What'd you get for, <laughs> Yo, for, for Father's Day. Lincoln actually, Lincoln really funny. He um. He got me <laughs> he got me a a gag gift. This is I'll tell a story really yeah. quickly. When I was a cab driver, okay? Um and I really was Jim driving like 84 hours a week and doing stand up at night. It's a pretty demanding schedule. Yeah. Well, anyway, anyway, on my very first Father's Day, we'll never forgive my wife for this. God love her. Uh because I liked horse racing and at the time Lincoln was now about 6 months old, she had gotten me exclusive tickets to go to Belmont Racetrack and have breakfast with the horse jockeys and watch the horses do yeah. their morning gallop. But the, yeah, the thing cool. well, would stick with me, though. When you're driving yeah. 84 hours a week and doing stand-up at night and sleeping an average of four hours a day, the last thing you want to receive on Father's Day is an alarm clock at 3 in the morning because you've got to get up and go to the racetrack for a 4 o'clock gallop. <laughs> so I consider yeah, I that and that was an act of war as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so Lincoln, as a joke for Father's Day, actually made a fake uh, pass to go to that same event this year, and I thought it was a good oh, that's joke. that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's it's, 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 so now the other question I had is: Are, are you part of uh, Rob Schneider's stand-up? Are you going to be part of that that routine across the country? Is that, no, that, that is that all. Sh- like your kind of stuff. Well, listen, Schneider is on my show tomorrow, and that is his. Oh, really? Yeah, that is his special. Uh, but I'm going to have my own stand-up special coming out late fall, uh, maybe early winter. Yeah, you, so, uh, you mentioned that. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's coming. Awesome. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not sharing the stage with Schneider. He can relax, and I'll tell him that when he gets here. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I want to I want to laugh about something I saw on your Twitter feed really quick. Uh, do you remember there was a, yeah. there, there used to be a Domino's commercial, and the slogan was "Get the door, it's Domino's," but now okay. the commercial could be "Get the door, it's the IRS." <laughs> it's the, the IRS is going to people's houses. Like, what does this mean? Well, th- this was our constituent. Now, first of all, this is on the heels of what they did to Matt Taibbi. We've mm-hmm. talked about that on your yep. show. Yep, yep, yep. Matt Taibbi is testifying, talking about the censorship industrial complex. Democrats in that committee hearing are asking him, who are your sources? You know, Someone needs to give him an education on the First Amendment. And while that's all going on, the IRS is knocking at his door. turns <laughs> out they owed him money, but they, were, they, they, they show up at his door. So uh, anyway, we had this constituent, and the IRS agent comes. The constituent didn't do anything wrong either. IRS agent comes says, let me in your house and say, what are you talking about? And he uses an alias, says, I got a right to come into your house. Someone needs to give him a refresher course on, on the American uh, history in the 70s. Mm-hmm. What we established this great place called America. And, and, and this guy, 
calls lawyer. She calls, then they call the police because they just they think he's some scam. Turns out he's a real agent. Used a fake name. Comes in her house. She did nothing wrong. She had handled her fiduciary duty to this person. She was helping with some estate or something. And um, and then this guy has the nerve to sick the uh, inspector general at the Treasury Department on the local Marion, Ohio Police Department. And uh, how arrogant these guys have become, these bureaucrats who are supposed to work for us, by the way. Yep. So I think that's the big takeaway. Just the arrogance of these folks is unbelievable. Yeah, that's the part. We're talking to Jim Jordan, and uh, we're having a grown-up conversation about what seems to me that that's the point I keep coming back to is arrogance, man. It's it's There's this thing now where we used to feel like D.C. worked for the people, and now D.C. is just so brazenly – defying the people. What are you going to do about it? Targeting the people. It's crazy. But let me ask you this on a broader scale. Is this the appeal of a Biden presidency that the bureaucrats have more power than they would under anybody else? I think so. Uh, I do. And it's again, it's it's frightening. It's it's part of this trend, though. We saw it begin to develop with Fauci and COVID and, and the, the folks who never put their name on the ballot who somehow think they run the world and run the government and run the country, mm-hmm. it's not supposed to work that way in America. It's supposed to be, you know, you get a chance every two years. If people in the fourth district, they want to send me back or throw me out. They get an opportunity to do that. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But when you elect people, they're the ones who are supposed to make the decisions. They're the yeah. ones who are supposed to make the law and make the decisions about how things work. Not some guy named Fauci who spent 40 years making tons of money, not accountable to really anyone. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. And now it's trickled all the way down to some Joe Bag of Donuts IRS agent using an alias, a fake name, coming to someone's house and harassing him. Yep. That is that is scary stuff. No, it is crazy. And I, I, I'm sure you saw Jerry Nadler last week yelling about how we should still we should have been masking kids during the pandemic. It's bananas. Didn't he? Yeah, but, what? I know, but didn't yeah. didn't he get the memo that all the Democrats have been abandoning their COVID positions that they previously held? <laughs> they, we yeah. didn't say the vaccine would stop transmission. We didn't want to shut down schools. What are you talking uh, about? The, yeah, the revisionist history is amazing. And, and then someone, uh, there was a big piece that said, can't we just like move on, time to move on? Like, w- wait a minute, you lied to us about yeah. everything, and now it's just time to move on. That's, that's not really how it's supposed to work either. Yeah. But that seems to be the attitude of the left. Yeah, they threw people. They actually, people got fired from their jobs. I mean, that was the craziest thing about the COVID mandate is like they were firing cops. And I can tell you in New York City, you're never going to find yourself getting mugged and call 911 and ask them to send a vaccinated cop. You're just going to ask for a cop. Hey, can you send me a vaccinated a cop? cop with a mask to help me. Yeah, I don't think that's the key. I, hey, they 911, us- can you send a vaccinated cop with a mask yeah. who supports climate change? Yeah. <laughs> like what? So, so. Remember, too, on day – this is the third day. We have this email, and I've used it a few times, but we have this email from Rob Flaherty, executive officer of the president, works at the White House, works for Joe Biden, third day on the job. So this is January 23rd, 2021. So they've been on the job 48 hours, and he sends an email to Twitter, and the email says, can you take down this tweet ASAP? Mm-hmm. And the tweet is from RFK Jr. The tweet says, Hank Aaron booked a vaccination and passed away. This is something that we were seeing, you know, it's like a trend or something that mm-hmm. Kennedy said they're seeing. There wasn't one thing in that tweet that's wrong. Hank Aaron, a great American, great ball player, did take the vaccine, died, uh, passed away shortly thereafter, and Robert F. Kennedy points that out. And that's the tweet they wanted to take down. That's, that's the arrogance of this, this administration. And I also thought it was interesting because 
So they started off the administration uh, censoring their Democrat opponent, Democrat primary opponent, and now they've actually indicted and arraigned their Republican opponent. I mean, yeah. holy cow, when have you ever seen anything like that in America? Yeah, that part is so crazy. I mean, uh, you know, we uh, we were all over the country last week. I was in Phoenix. I was in L.A., uh, and then I got back here uh, on Thursday and got kind of all caught up. And it was so fascinating. Fox keeps sending me to warm climates because they think that'll make me stop eating. Have you noticed? They're like, yeah, Jimmy, we're sending to Phoenix. It's 110. Now, nah, Jimmy, we're going to L.A. It's 103. I guess, I guess that's the hope because they can't in corporate America. They can't ask you to get in shape, but they can just stick you in warm weather climates and make you self-conscious is what they grow. I, I see what it is. You see what it is. What? You, what you've been skipping your workouts? No, no, I get Come them in. On. I left. Are you kidding me? Yeah, so yeah. on Saturday, Lincoln uh, challenged yeah. me to a dip contest. Lincoln does a lot of dips. Like that's his new thing. Yeah. And you think yeah. about uh, a 14-year-old kid is anything like dips or pull-ups like you know there's not going to they don't have shoulder issues no tricep tear or anything right, like that right. so he gets on yeah. a dip bar and got just like 40 dips you know what i mean yeah. i'm not doing 40 oh. dips i can do 40 dips no. if there's salsa and a potato chip involved you know what i mean I probably do 60 40 dips, dips at baskin robbins yeah. <laughs> not not in the weight room for good come on man so no I, I i got my workouts in you don't worry about me i get my workouts in but I, all right you got to work out you think better your, no. your jokes will be funnier everything will be better if you, if you work out that, you gotta work thank out. you you can say that they can't yeah. say that to me here they have to like beat around the bush a little bit but uh but so funny it's it's too corporate but but the whole thing with them like you know whether we're talking about indicting trump or you know this weaponization of the irs it's crazy to me because this is what i keep seeing from the democrats it's that obviously there's a two-tier justice system because if we're going to talk about classified information we'd certainly have a lot to say about hillary destroying emails and there'd certainly be a hell of a whole lot more to say about biden who didn't have the security clearance to take any of this stuff as a senator so what is their basis like how have they tried to articulate that there's a difference between trump and biden or say Trump and Hillary? Have they even offered us that? Or are they just brazenly doing what they want with no regard for how transparent this looks as a double standard? Well, it's the latter. And, you know, 60 percent of the country thinks the FBI has a double standard. And the, and the reason they think that is because they do. But they also try to to give some, you know, veneer of like it, it's it's legit what we're doing. And, you know, Trump's Trump didn't work with his Trump didn't work with his like vice president Pence. They try to play that game, mm-hmm. but that's not really true because we talked to, we deposed three weeks ago the former head of the Washington field office, um, Steve D'Antuano, mm-hmm. former head of the w, uh, WFO, and he, when when the classified document uh, investigation in President Trump began, and he told us he said, I asked the uh, I asked headquarters. I said, why isn't there a U.S. attorney's assigned? He said, well, because we're doing this different. Even though they, that they said after Crossfire Hurricane, they never do a headquarters-run operation again. It would always be run in the field offices, except for Trump. So they, mm-hmm. they, they changed again. And then he said, well, you know, they, they said, we, we're going we're gonna to raid his phone. Oh. said, well, why don't we – why don't we just keep working with his lawyers? They're talking with us. Why do we got to go down there and write the home show? And they said, because that's how we're going to do it. So th- th- nothing has changed. These guys have been out to get Trump, and they can try to say it was different, but it's not. And we have testimony now in the transcript from the guy who ran the Washington field office when this whole thing started, showing how they, they deviated from what they're supposed to. That that is crazy, man. Uh, you know, and getting past even the deviation, which doesn't surprise me because he's been the exception to every rule 
when it comes to how relentless they've been in going after yeah. him. It's that when I hear that the standard was he didn't cooperate, I'm like, yo, uh, Secretary Clinton destroyed 33,000 emails, which I don't know. I don't work at a dictionary company, but I don't know that you'd define that as cooperation. Yeah, she destroyed half of them. Like, I actually asked her this question in, uh, in the Benghazi hearing several years ago. I said, you know, Secretary Clinton, you got like approximately 60,000 emails. We don't need to see your personal ones. You know, that she talked about her kids' yeah, daughter's yeah. wedding and different things and yoga class, whatever. I said, we don't need to see that. We, we don't want to see that. that that's fine. It's America. It's privacy. I said, but, you know, we don't exactly trust you and, and your David Kendall and Cheryl Mills and your legal team. We don't exactly trust you guys. To give us what the American people are entitled to have, you know, what's what's government, you know, what's mm-hmm. supposed to be at the government. And I said, why don't you do it this way? Why don't we have a neutral third party, like a retired federal judge, mm-hmm. evaluate what's personal, what's not? And of course, she wouldn't even go for that. Wow. And and then you go to President Trump. They didn't even give him that option. They didn't say, oh, your lawyer's going to do it, and like they did with Clinton. Oh, we'll offer you a neutral third party, like a retired federal judge. No, no, we're coming in with a warrant, and we're getting him. And your lawyer's not. That's another thing, Dan Tuano told us. He said, finally, I told, I told the, the headquarters, said, well, when we get there, why don't – when we're on the ground, we know the place is secure, why don't we then call up President Trump's lawyer and say, hey, meet us here, and we'll go through this, and we'll do this search together. And they said, no, they're not going to give them that either. So that's the difference in, in the standards, and so they can dress it up however they want. But it certainly is a different standard, a double standard. That is a scam. We're talking to Jim Jordan. Uh, before I let you go, uh, because they are telling me i got to get down to the gym. Uh, did you? <laughs> they just sent a text to my producer. Uh, la- last thing I'll leave you with is completely superficial. I know how busy you are, and you're not watching a lot of baseball. But your Reds are actually in second place right now. They're a game behind the Brewers. Baseball. I did watch the U.S. Open over the weekend now. That Wyndham Clark guy. Yeah. Thinking athlete. You can just tell he's just a just a, like he looked like the guy played shortstop and point guard. He looked like that kind of guy, just an athlete. Yeah. Man, he played amazing. Yeah, but so I but I haven't been watching baseball. But good for the the Reds. Maybe the Red Machine will will be coming back at some point. Who knows? You never know. Well, the funny thing is, if you Google the U.S. Open, what comes up is Biden's border policy. Hey, yo. <laughs> There it is. Good night, everybody. We still got it. Uh, Jim, you're the best, man. Thanks for some time. We'll do it again. Good to be with you, brother. You too, brother. Take care. There he goes, the great Jim Jordan. From the 4th Congressional District of Ohio, folks, I will be in his district July the 29th. It is a Saturday night. I I think there are a handful of tickets left. I'm at the Grand Opera House in St. Mary's, Ohio. Jenny Fallow went to St. Mary's High School. She was a rough rider, uh, grew up in Wapakoneta, Ohio. So they have two high schools out there, and she went to St. Mary's. And uh, I am doing a big benefit for that Opera House, July the 29th. So uh, it's Jim Jordan's district. You're going to see Jordan at the event. There's a handful of tickets left. If you're anywhere near that area, uh, I'm in Ohio July 29th, and then on uh, July 8th, to say it in English, I'm at the Holland Civic Center in Holland, Michigan. Kennedy and I are going to be there. Tudor Dixon is going to be in the house for that one as well. She got tickets. She's going to come hang in the green room and get rowdy. Going to have to hold her hair. Hopefully she doesn't throw up on me. I'm kidding. She's a good egg, Tudor Dixon. If you missed us together, I hosted Fox News Saturday night this past Saturday. Tudor and I did a couple of segments on UFOs, and uh, they are on the Fox Across America website. You can get them on the Fox Across America Facebook page as well. Uh, But I got a quick break because they just brought the guy back into the studio who stopped me from eating. Put that cookie down now! A show so good, it moves the stock market. The Dow racing up on Jimmy's remarks. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon.
It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, reachable to you, the listener, at 888-788-9910. Wesley Hunt coming up in the next hour, representative from the great state of Texas. Everybody here on this show, if you were just listening to Jim Jordan, everybody here on this show, if they're a lawmaker, they've been on the show like multiple times, it's because I've met them at some point in my travels and quizzed them on the things we discuss on the air to figure out if these people really mean it or they're just on here singing talking points to get votes. Okay, the point of this show is we want progress. We're not on this show to get one party elected. We're just on to have real conversations about real issues, which is why we're constantly keeping the door open to any Democrat that wants to join us. This is not a show that preaches to the choir or yells at the choir and, you know, it's not the answer, man. That's where conservative talk radio is great because it fights for American values, but we're just fighting within the tent. I mean, a lot of what's going on on Twitter right now, it's crazy because it's a bunch of nerd kings on Twitter that, you know, have never been cool in their lives, but their accounts are being amplified now on Twitter. And they're leading a war against all things pride that, be honest with you, is working against Republicans. Why? Because this is a moment that requires precision targeting. And what I mean by that is our issue is not with pride. Gay people should do whatever they want. Transgender adults should do whatever they want. Freedom! Okay, the official conservative position, the official Fox News position, if I could speak for my colleagues, is that none of us have anything against transgender people. Come on, that's crazy. What you'll hear us saying on the air is that we don't want this forced on children. That's a position a lot of us hold. What you'll hear us say on the air is that we don't want biological men competing against biological women because they have an unfair advantage, and this constitutes the erasure of women. What the Democrats do, and this is the success of their ruse, is they shoehorn all of this under pride. So if they say you're you know, criticizing one aspect of this, what do you mean? You don't want children to transition underage. You hate pride. And you don't hate pride. This is a specific issue that you are taking exception to. But what the Republican nerd kings on Twitter are doing is just bashing all things pride. Oh, Chick-fil-A celebrates pride. We ain't eating there anymore. Is that solving anything? No, it's actually fragmenting the Republican conservative coalition. And if anything, it's hurting their agenda. But the drunk on power nerd kings of Twitter who've become prominent and had their accounts amplified by the Elon Musks of the world are too busy basking in that newfound idolation, the digital dopamine known as likes. If you've never gotten it in person to the party, it becomes a little overwhelming to start getting it from your phone. And that's exactly what we're watching right now ensuing on Twitter. That's true. That is true. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Oh, girl. Here we go. Here we go. Big hour. Coming up with Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. We're going to be talking with Wesley Hunt, superstar representative from the 38th Congressional District of Texas, a man who served this country in the military, a man faced with the same reality as you or I, that the military's new woke recruiting initiatives have caused them to fall short by 15,000 soldiers. Everything woke turns to This is crazy talk, and we're going to get into it in this hour, 888-788-9910. What happens on this show, on the rare occasion that I actually show up to work, 
I'm not on some TV set or writing a book or shooting a documentary or gosh knows what. If you're a fan of the show, you tune in and day in and day out. Uh, I am happy to report. Uh, I am finally here again for a full week of action. You and me on the radio, you'll hear from Lincoln Fela. Uh, Jenny Fela might even make a cameo. You don't know. You don't know. But the whole Fela family, uh, radio's first family, back in action. I don't have to go on the road, thank God, this week. I've been traveling like a madman. And I'm very thankful for these opportunities to represent Fox on so many different fronts. But as you know, uh, my first love is radio. I love being here. I love having to have these conversations. What we do on TV is awesome, but it happens fast. You know, you're on TV three minutes, four minutes at a time. Radio, you get a guest for 15 minutes. You can really talk about a subject. You can really evolve it and kind of probe, you know, what matters. You can get, you, you know, it's not as much about like, I don't know, here's why you should vote for me so much as a, here's what we should do. And when it comes to the military, I have to, you need to know this, okay? Here's what we should do, okay? We should recruit based on the appeal of being in the military. What's the appeal of being in the military? Okay, you want to fight for our freedoms. You are going to be a hero, that protects our freedoms. Okay, you should ultimately be rewarded with help going to college. You should ultimately be rewarded with a lifetime of benefits. But you should be held in the highest regard in society because of what you're willing to sacrifice on behalf of the rest of us. That is correct. But is that what we're actually doing in the military right now? The answer would be no. The military's job I think Rush Limbaugh used to characterize it as the military's job is to wreck things, kill people, stuff like that. That's what the military's job ultimately is. It's to be the most fierce fighting force on the planet, to be the team nobody wants to play, to be so powerful that we can instill peace through strength just by the simple fact that we are so badass that people would rather behave than upset our military. That's what the whole big stick diplomacy was supposed to be under Teddy Roosevelt. Speak softly and carry a big stick. Okay, meaning we don't have to be all over the world threatening people. We just have to be so badass that they'll learn to behave. That was ultimately the goal. But when the military starts having drag shows and prioritizing things like inclusion and pronouns, okay, again, that's the corporatization of the military, which is a branch that should be held to its entirely unique standard. Okay, the military is not a corporate boardroom, but to be clear, it is the most inclusive, it is the most inclusive institution in the world. Anyone who has ever served in the military will tell you they served alongside of Americans of every socioeconomic background. Every ethnicity you could think of from every corner of our country that there is, that's who you'll meet in the military. Okay, the military is diverse. The military is inclusive. But the military is not supposed to focus on pronouns and woke ideology because their job is not to cater to hurt feelings. Their job is to hurt people. You are correct, sir. Not pleasant. I know it's not a nice thing to think about. But the reality is when the game's on the line, that's what they're there to do. Hey, there's some bad guys. If you could just go over there and send them and turn them into confetti, we'd appreciate it. These guys acted up. They're threatening our interests. You know what I'm saying? If you could just show up to that village and turn it into a ticker tape parade. Yeah, it's vile. It's gross. It's rough. But that's the reality of what you're asking people to do. 
And the Army came up 15,000 recruits short of meeting its fiscal year 2022 goals. It is on pace to fall short again. But Army Secretary Christine Warmoth telling reporters, we are a ready Army, not a woke Army. (laughs) That's something, frankly, that the Chief of Staff James McConville and I said throughout posture season in hearings and meetings with members of Congress. Okay, I think one of the things that we see that's contributing to a decline in trust in the military is a concern on both sides of the aisle of the politicization of our military leaders. And I think the more our military leaders are sort of dragged into spaces that have been politicized like that, I think the more it contributes to the perception that they're political when they really aren't. So I hope that we don't see more of the kind of talk that's been out in the past few days. What I'm trying to do is talk about how that drip, drip, drip of criticism about a woke military I do think is having some counterproductive effects on recruiting. Now, the truth is, if you are, she says, a ready military, not a woke military, then do you think they should have to care about outside criticisms? The answer would be no. Okay, if you're a ready military, that means you're ready for war. Okay, and if you are concerning yourselves with that drip, 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 they keep calling us woke on social media. Okay, if you're worried about that, Okay, you ain't ready for war. I think he's got a point. Because they're going to call your names in war. They're going to shoot stuff at you. They're going to try to blow you up. It's vicious. It's hell. It's why I hold the people who fight for this country in the high regard that I do. And we don't do enough for them, to be clear. I mean, when you look at a city like mine in New York, where the veterans are homeless on the streets and the people who snuck into the country are staying in the suites... That doesn't send the right message to people who want to fight for this country. The truth is, if you want to recruit to our military, number one, you got to treat veterans a hell of a whole lot better. A hell of a whole lot better. Number two, okay, you should certainly be prioritizing the people who protect this country more than the people who sneak into it. That's kind of a 1-1-A. But number two, you should be selling the appeal of the Army, not it's a place you can go. And color your hair whatever you want. (laughs) You could identify as the golden retriever in our army. No, we need you to identify as the most fierce fighting force on the planet. Okay, the people who traditionally go serve this country in the armed forces are people who hold our freedoms so near and dear to their hearts that they're willing to kill strangers to protect them. They're willing to sacrifice their own lives to protect them. They want to be heroes, okay? You don't wind up on the front lines of a battle because you think they'll call you a she if you happen to be a he. That's not why you go, I promise. Okay, there are so many places in America where you can go live that reality, but if your feelings are that vulnerable, I promise war's not for you. And that's why we're doing this wrong. We're prioritizing, and to borrow from cliche, literally fighting the wrong battles. Okay, the military traditionally is, hey, who wants to go kill some bad guys? You're damn right, and everybody become running along. Yeah, I want to kill some bad guys. Woo! Hey, who wants to go kill some bad guys alongside of some guys who... Say they're girls. And it's not because we have anything against guys who say they're girls. It's that that's not the pitch for the military. The military is not corporate America, and it can't be. If we're going to continue to have a military that other countries fear, 
Okay, I'm fine. Do whatever inclusion you want. I work for a corporation. We're as inclusive as can be. Okay, we tolerate all kinds of gender ideology because, of course, we do. That's the whole point of America. Somebody wants to be trans, they want to come work at Fox News, and they're an adult, and they want to do that with their body? Absolutely. They're not my enemy. What are you talking about? The position on trans rights is this. Don't do it to little kids. Don't give them experimental hormone blockers. Don't teach them to transition and subject them to a lifetime of surgeries and follow-up medications because you want to get paid. We're against that. That's not gender-affirming care. That's agenda-affirming care. Okay, don't erase biological women. That's our position. But if you're trans, you're over the age of 18, you want to transition, go do whatever the hell you want. That's the whole point of America. Okay, but our military should not be coddling the feelings of the folks we're asking to kill. Okay, if you're running onto the battlefield, you don't have to worry about discrimination. You don't have to worry about inclusion because it's war. You're never going to hear somebody say, cover me, I'm going in. But not you people. I don't want any cover fire from you people. That's not how war works. Do you understand? The military, the front lines of the military are the most diverse element of our society you'll ever see. You'll meet white farm boys from the Midwest. You meet black dudes and Latino dudes and Asian dudes and Muslim dudes and anything you can think of in between because America literally is a melting pot. Okay, now we're all smoking pot and everybody's worried about hurt feelings in the military instead of hurting other people. And that's why we're not meeting our recruiting goals. They're selling you something else. The army used to be, remember, be all you can be, be all that you can be. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to be a badass. I'm going to go to the army. Put myself to the test. Now you go to the army looking for a hug. No, I want I want to go join something where they give me a gun and tell me I'm special. I want to be super duper, not just special. And that's not the point of the army. Okay, really think about it. There's not a lot of fat jockeys in horse racing. Not a lot of fat jockeys out there. You want to know why? Because it makes it harder to win the damn race. So you got to realize that if you just looked at the military like it was horse racing, you're starting to recruit people who are not equipped to best do the job, okay, which means you're not going to make as much money at the racetrack if you happen to own these horses. That's what we're doing, okay? We're prioritizing things other than what help us with the strength of the mission. Okay, let me give you this a little bit. Okay, because DeSantis talked about this, and I'll give him credit. He said this to Fox News last month. I think the military that I see is different from the military I served in. I see a lot of emphasis now on political ideologies, things like gender pronouns. I see a lot about things like DEI, and I think that's causing recruitment to plummet. And he's not wrong, DEI being diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yo, when you're on a battlefield, okay, you're going to be surrounded by diversity. So this is a straw man argument that they're forcing this on military leaders. Every color, race, and socioeconomic background known to man is represented in our military. Every single one. Okay, inclusion, yes. Everybody is welcome to go fight for this country. Okay, equity is a democratic scam. Equity means we should all have the same outcome, which equal opportunity is not supposed to represent equal outcomes. Equity means, well, in the military, we should have a certain percentage of people in leadership positions, whether they meet the same qualifications or not. Okay, forget a meritocracy. 
We want equity. We want three of these, three of those, three of them. The only thing we should really want are the best people in every single position. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. But instead, we're getting the opposite. Well, okay, when we storm the beach in Normandy, the last thing we want to see the enemy, the enemy wants to see when those boat doors open is the bunch of white guys. They don't want to see. That's not inclusive at all. What kind of message does that send to our enemies? <laughs> when you're reshuffling the deck in your military, okay, to make it look more inclusive when you come running onto the battlefield, the message you're sending to your enemies <laughs> is that you are not equipped for the battle. Oh, you're right. And when you're right, you're right. And you, you're always right. You remember Full Metal Jacket? Okay. What is the opening scene of Full Metal Jacket? Lee Army, the drill sergeant, is breaking down the soldiers. You're the lowest form of life on earth. Do you remember that? Just breaking you down. Why? Because he's trying to turn you into a killing machine. You're so ugly you can be a modern art masterpiece. Think about that. And why is he doing those things? Because he wants to break you down to nothing so you're willing to serve and die for a cause greater than yourself. Are you that's the hook. Okay, you come to the military to serve something greater than yourself, to sacrifice, fight, and potentially die for a cause greater than yourself. Freedom! Now we're recruiting along the lines of yourself being the only thing that matters. Well, what do I want to be called? Because it's all about me. What do I identify as? Because it's all about me. General Douglas MacArthur has the greatest quote in the history of the military. I know there's so many out there. Some of you may agree. Some of you may disagree. But when I was going down the runway at Yankee Stadium, taking a, a stadium tour, hanging up on the runway at Yankee Stadium is a, Democrat, is a quote by General Douglas MacArthur. And I'm partial to him because my Uncle Sam served in his honor guard. But he has a sign-up that says there is absolutely no substitute for victory. And nothing you know, crystallizes the significance of war more than that. There's no substitute for victory. You can't identify as a winner in a war, okay? Because if all you do is identify in a war, you're going to end up a loser. It's the war movie that's got critics praising its inclusiveness. Introducing Woke Metal Jacket. I am Gunnery Sergeant Hartman, your senior drill instructor. The Pentagon is tired of having nothing but tough men in the Marine Corps. You gotta be me, Joker. So they're relaxing standards to make it easier for other types of soldiers. Sound off like you got a pair. Any military can focus on hurting their enemies, but only the American military can focus on hurt feelings. Are you shook up? Are you nervous? Woke Metal Jacket. Good night, ladies. Now playing in Washington and coming soon to a losing war near you. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. Wesley Hunt's going to be joining us in the next break. He served his country proudly in our military. Joining us now from Reno, Nevada, Susan is on the line. Yo, Susan. Hi, hey, I just have to tell you, we love you, and you give oh, us hope, so shucks. thanks for everything you do. Thanks for that, but, girlfriend. Good. Well, this this morning I heard a segment on this channel about 
this Ukraine-Russian deal. And these poor Russian young men, they're just being thrown in there and they're being told they're, you know, they got these little office jobs they're going to have. And then they actually throw them in a trench. And this young man, just everybody around him uh, got blown up by grenades. And, you know, if we just just put anybody in there and we're putting just bodies in our armed forces, Uh we're just going to end up with a lot of dead young Americans. It seems very scary to me and not the right thing to do. Well, the scam of the whole thing is that we're prioritizing things other than what win wars. That's the issue. Like I was talking earlier about. You go to the racetrack, you don't want to see a 400-pound jockey because it's going to make it a little harder for the horse to run. I mean, we're prioritizing things other than what help our soldiers most effectively execute their responsibilities. So that's the problem with wokeism in the military. Okay, it's a problem everywhere it goes, but it's a specific problem when it comes to war. Well, the other thing it seems like is as we're making that decision to go that route, the people that want to serve and uh, have that mental capacity and that drive to do what's necessary in war, mm-hmm. we're not getting them now. Nope. And so it's like a double whammy, it yep. seems like. We are 15,000 so. recruits short right now. Like, that's yeah. not good. You know, what I, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I, I, I might need you to stop, get, get out there and recruit. Go to those blackjack tables yeah. in Reno. <laughs> Well, I have four sons, and they are not going. Not in this one. <laughs> no, I, I don't blame you. Not for these lunatics in Washington. But thank you so much for all you do. We just love you. Ah, oh, so Susan. Ah, oh, shucks. I'm going to well up. Have a good one. There she goes, the great Susan. Wesley Hunt coming by to join us next right here on the Big Bad One and Only Fox Across America. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Excited to bring on this next guest. Superstar Republican congressman representing the 38th Congressional District in Texas. He is a House Judiciary Committee member, an Army veteran, a West Point graduate. Although I don't know that he'd go back unless they use the correct pronouns for him. Wesley Hunt is here to confirm or deny those allegations. Yo, yo. Yo, my pronouns are American Apache pilot. And if they allow me to use those pro- those pronouns, then I'll be happy to return back to us. <laughs> well, uh, well, I got bad news for you. <laughs> I don't know that you can. <laughs> Sorry to break it to you. <laughs> Here's the thing, Wesley. Uh, we are we are fifteen thousand recruits short. I was just talking about this on TV a little while ago, and they're trying to. I just I'm going to ask you this because they're trying to say that the you know the woke recruiting initiatives aren't the issue. Um, but as someone who has served, I, I feel like they're appealing to the wrong sentiment here. What do you think? So whenever you have an 18-year-old young man or woman that mm-hmm. wants to dedicate their life to this country, mm-hmm. the, the spirit of that person does not care about pronouns. They don't care about wokeness. They care about potentially giving their lives to defend freedom and to defend this country. That's what they want to do. So you stop appealing to those types of people when, you're, when you are more concerned with changing names on buildings, pronouns, and woke ideology. And you cannot deny that. It is just happened over the course of the, of the, of the, of the uh, past few years. And I'm going to tell you, when I was at West Point back in 2000, when I served this country from 2004 to 2012, when I was in flight school learning how to fly the Apache helicopter, at no point in time we were talking about pronouns. We were talking about deploying and fighting our nation's wars. We've got to get back to that. Yeah, that's the good point is that, you know, when you're talking about war readiness, okay, Hurt feelings cannot be a priority if your job is to hurt people. 
You know what I'm saying? No, it's I, not about feelings. I can, I can assure you that Russia is not having this conversation. Xi Jinping is not having this conversation. That I have this conversation in Iran. They are they are preparing to take out the United States of America, so we are no longer number one in the world. That's all they do. They are not talking about pronouns. We've got to acknowledge that and be able to fight our adversaries toe to toe without worrying about he, she, they, them, we, them. We are all Americans first. That's that's it. One team, one fight. So are you telling me your Apache helicopter didn't have a coexist bumper sticker? <laughs> no, it did not. It had it had Hellfire missiles on it, rockets, and a thirty millimeter chain gun. And that's how I identified myself. <laughs> not even a hate not even a not even a hate has no home here sticker, nothing like no. that. <laughs> No. Come on, Hunt. You're killing me. No. Well, it's it's so crazy because like if you go to the military, the point I was trying to make is, and you kind of said this off the top, is like you're fighting for a cause bigger than yourself. So when we start catering to individual, you know, you know, individual things like identities, I think that kind of strips away from mission readiness. And they're arguing that it doesn't, but I don't see how it couldn't because you're not emotionally equipping someone for war if they're that fragile. You know what I'm saying? And not only are you not emotionally equipping somebody for war, you're not catering to the type of person that wants to fight a war in the first place. Mm -hmm. We don't want these people. We need these people. Yeah. You know, it's like a few good men. We, we, we want you on that wall. <laughs> we need you on that wall. And I'm sitting here right now, you know, it's, it's Juneteenth today, and I'm sitting here with my five-month-old little boy holding yep. him and looking at him, and he's just watching me talk. And this is the kind of, 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 of inspiration that I need every single day to get up and to go fight for this little kid all right here. Yeah. I'm willing to die for him. I'm willing to die for other Americans. And mm. that's exactly what we have to get back to. Yeah. How do we find those kinds of people that have that kind of spirit that want to fight for our country and fight for our children and fight for our future? You know, I'm with you 100% on that. The only thing I can tell you from the ghost of Christmas future is my son is 14. Uh, when I was holding him as a five-month-old, I was willing to die for him. Now I'm willing to, like, get shot in the leg. You know what I mean? I don't know if I... <laughs> I don't know if I take it all the way to you know Lincoln gets a little mouthy. The best I yeah, best I can give you is a is a bullet in the calf or something, Lincoln. I'm sorry. I don't know. The standard adjusts over time is all I'll say. Um, oh, I bet. I bet it does. But good for you. Five months is amazing. Uh, is he wearing all of your uh, Wesley Hunt swag? Of course he is. Of and course he is. Army stuff. Uh, between uh, between Wesley Hunt swag. Uh, Versace and Gucci, you know how we roll. <laughs> I'm laughing. That's am that's amazing. The last thing I'll give you, and then we'll move on from this subject, is I think yeah. it's a straw man argument when they talk about diversity in the military, because I think anyone who's ever served would tell you it's as diverse as anything you'll ever be a part of in terms of the backgrounds of the people who are there fighting, no? Yes, and our military literally is the quintessential definition of what it means to have a meritocracy, and it's been that way for a very long time. Whenever you're in combat, I can assure you, when the bullets start flying, and I'm looking at my wingman, the last thing I am concerned about is their race, religion, color, or creed. I don't care. I care about their proficiency and their ability to eliminate the enemy. That's all I want, because I want to go home, and I want to make sure that my fellow comrades on the ground 
to go home. And whenever we're fighting a war, that's what matters most. And that's why it's always been a meritocracy. Look, there was a time when our military was certainly segregated a long time ago. But if you think about it, with even back to Eisenhower days, he desegregated the military, and it was one of the first entities that did that. And you look at where we are today. You look at our leadership. You look at, you look at women and black generals, and, and women are now generals now, and our leadership is very diverse. And you know what? It's been that way for a while. Yep. It's been that way since I was at West Point 20 years ago when my commandant of cadets was a black man. He was a brigadier general. Yep. So look, stop trying to divide. Try trying to divide this country based on race, religion, color, creed, sexual orientation. Let's just find these Americans that want to fight our wars. Could you imagine? Because that's I, I, it matters. Like when you talk about the military being the ultimate meritocracy, when you're taking it away from this, the analogy I made earlier is the reason you don't have a lot of fat jockeys at the horse racing track is because they're not going to win races. Okay, we're right. we're, we're, <laughs> right. we're basically recruiting. <laughs> fat jockeys now and i gotta be honest i've i know how to lose horse racing bets okay and we're following a lot of the ways you do it in the military that's the issue skinny jockeys hunt i don't ask for a lot yeah just give me a skinny jockey that's the least you can do that's all about the military there's standards if you meet the standard then you move on yep and then those that perform the best well they get promoted faster that's just how this whole thing works and i and i think we as a country are moving away from this being a meritocracy, and there's mm-hmm. people out there like me, specifically on the right as well, that want to say, hey, look, we've come a long way. Look, I understand we have a checkered path in many of these issues, but this is as good as it gets. Yeah. And my dad, who is 73 years old, and we celebrated Father's Day yesterday, he used to always tell me growing up, he goes, son, I had it difficult. Yeah. You don't have it difficult. <laughs> don't ever forget that. No, it's true. I mean, we, we get laughed at in the modern era by what we consider to be oppression, because people who were actually <laughs> oppressed in this country think it's hilarious. You know, well, this guy used the wrong emoji the other day. You're like, wait, what? What's what's an emoji? Like, that's crazy. But that's the one thing I hope it's like, all right, so we're celebrating Juneteenth, which we should be. But shouldn't we yeah. also acknowledge that we fought and ended that oppression? You see, the Democrats are doing a have it both ways thing. Okay, the White House will throw out a Juneteenth tweet today. But what they'll also do in the same breath is tell you people are oppressed in this modern era, which isn't true. But in the next breath, what they'll also do is they're outsourcing all of their green energy initiatives to countries that still deploy slave labor. So on some level, the Democrats are just outsourcing slavery. And that's not, by my definition, the end of it. Amen, brother. And we literally slap those in the face. Lots of the things to those that literally were, were, were slaves, who were literally mm-hmm. oppressed, who are still oppressed in the, in the world today, when, when whenever we talk about the paper cuts that we have in our country. Oh, that's so and, true. and I want to talk about the progress that we've had in this country. That's literally what I do every yep. single day. I talk about my great-great-grandfather was a slave born on a plantation in Louisiana. Yep. His great-great-grandson is a United States congressman from Texas, is a Republican in a white majority district. And the reason why that's the case is because I was the most qualified person that ran. I ran against a bunch of white guys, and I won. I ran against a white Democrat. I beat him by 30 points. Boom! the meritocracy. Thank you. Thank you. But you're still like a week away from being called a white supremacist by the Democrats. You know that, right? I 
can't wait. I love it. <laughs> but, I cannot wait. That, but that's how you know you made it in the modern era as a as a politician. You you know you've you know you've arrived as a as a black congressman when you're being called a white supremacist. So yeah. congratulations. When, when, when educated white liberal Democrats call me a white supremacist, you know what? My work here is done. <laughs> <laughs> you're making it in the world, Hunt. Tell that kid. Oh, good for you. You're the best, brother. We'll do it again soon. Of course. I mean, anytime, brother. You have a great day. My man. There he goes, the great Wesley Hunt. And it's coming any day now. Wesley Hunt's a congressional superstar. He's a freshman congressman. He served the country in the Army. He went to West Point. He is an actual descendant of slaves. His grandfather was a slave. He's now in Congress. You understand? That's major, monumental progress. But we're not acknowledging in our society. They're trotting out Barack Obama to tell you black people are oppressed, to tell you guys like Tim Scott and Nikki Haley are living in a pretend world. Listen to this Obama stuff. This is crazy. Barack Obama, okay, a man who understand Barack Obama as your president presided over a black unemployment rate that's over double of what it is right now. I don't see you doing any better in the booty department. But let's just stick with me, okay? Barack Obama presided over a black unemployment rate that's double of what it was under Donald Trump. And a guy like Tim Scott who came in and delivered $75 billion worth of opportunity zones alongside Donald Trump. Tim Scott drove that initiative to flood low-income black communities with $75 billion worth of opportunity zones under the belief that a rising economic tide lifts all boats. Tim Scott got Trump to invest in the black communities. Here's Barack Obama, okay, trying to negate Tim Scott's contribution, his vision to help the black community. Understand, Barack Obama failed the black community. Yeah, he got him on the board. We got a black president. But rather than using that as the moment to acknowledge that anybody could be anything— They used it to drive a wedge in society. Every time there was a policy disagreement in a country that had voted overwhelmingly for a black president in a black president who had gotten elected with overwhelming white support. Whenever there was a policy disagreement, what did they do? Well, what's so different about this president that no one's going along with his agenda? Hmm, I wonder what it is about this guy that they won't support his radical expansion of the government. It had nothing to do with his skin color. He got elected. If his skin color was an issue, he wouldn't have got elected twice. Okay, but he got elected twice. And then he lost over a thousand seats for his party, the highest recorded level of seats ever lost by a two term president. Why? Because his policies sucked. Okay, and he wasn't always telling you the truth when he was trying to sell those policies. If you like your doctor, you will be able to keep your doctor, period. Well, (laughs) it turned out that wasn't the truth. It actually got rated PolitiFact's lie of the year. But here is Barack Obama telling you Tim Scott has no plan to address poverty and racism. Clip six. I'm not being cynical about Tim Scott individually. I am maybe suggesting that the rhetoric of can't we all get along and the quotes you made about, uh, you know, from my speech in Mm -hmm. 2004 about there's a United States of America, that has to be undergirded with an honest accounting of our past and our present. And so if a 
Republican who may even be sincere in saying, I want us all to live together, doesn't have a plan for how do we address crippling generational poverty that is a consequence of hundreds of years of racism in the society, and we need to do something about that. You were lying your ass off. Okay, understand, Tim Scott, he doesn't have a plan. Tim Scott doesn't have a plan. (laughs) Tim Scott already invested $75 billion in black communities. Tim Scott also pushed Donald Trump to give historically black colleges and universities, HBCUs, their highest, their highest recurring funding endowment in history, higher than anyone, including Barack Obama. Don't be thick, all right? But you understand... Barack Obama did not deliver for the black community. He delivered division. Instead of us acknowledging that his presidency meant anyone could truly be anything, a guy who was born into a mixed marriage, okay, in the late 1959, 1960, okay, a guy whose odds of being president were actually less than zero at the time he was born, we made so much societal progress, okay, that he could become president. And he didn't have much of a record as a senator. Okay, understand Tim Scott is now a guy in the in the race who has a shot of being a major party nominee and absolutely a vice president as well. That's monumental progress. And when Barack Obama tries to say he doesn't have a plan, he's just trying to negate negate the candidacy altogether, but he's not doing it through fact because Tim Scott's plan is already working. And Tim Scott's plan is to treat black Americans like every other American instead of infantilizing them like the Democrats are trying to do. Barack Obama ran for president on a a slogan of yes, we can. And the Democrats now sell no, we can't at every turn because they want you to rely on the government to get ahead. Barack Obama is now the face of a movement that wants you to believe we haven't made all of this racial progress, that black Americans are struggling and they're still not equal to white Americans and they can't get a voter ID and nobody will hire them and they don't own houses. You talk about the soft bigotry of low expectations. That's exactly what he's actually you know, peddling here. Black Americans do not need a specific carved out version of society that gives them a little pat on the head. That's not equality. That's infantilizing them. Okay, what Tim Scott wants to do with black Americans is treat them like every other American. Because here's a newsflash, okay? They are like every other American. And you'd think Barack Obama would know that, except he doesn't live near any black Americans because he's off at a compound on Martha's Vineyard when he's not hanging out at a compound in Hawaii. Okay, a guy who's made more money than God still trying to tell you with a straight face, okay, that black people can't get ahead. Democrats are so full of crap. You're listening to the most relatable man on the radio. Best way to describe him is to say he's the typical boy next door. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Whoa, it is Fox Across America with your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. And if you're listening on KID, KIDG, any of those Richard Meacham-owned stations out in Idaho Falls, got some exciting news for you guys pertaining to the upcoming fall touring schedule of your radio buddy, Jimmy Fallon. 
No, no, we're not. We're not announcing it now. No, we're not telling you that news now. But news is coming. Is all I will say. Miss me and myself and Mr. Meacham are working, ironing out some details about a potential get together between myself and my fellow Fox Across Americans. In the meantime, we have an opportunity to get together tonight in the 6 p.m. hour. I will be on the bottom line with Dagan McDowell. Uh, pending news developments, you may see me tonight at 8 o'clock on Fox News Tonight. We're still waiting to confirm that. Uh, tomorrow morning, I will be up bright and early on Fox & Friends, 6.50 a.m. Eastern Time. If you missed me hosting Fox News Saturday night, it is appearing right now. You can watch the clips on the Fox Across America website. Either way you slice it, the show's over. Pay up, get out, be a Republican, be a Democrat. All we ever ask is that you don't be a From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.